Are you someone who is fascinated by all the pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood stuff few people talk about because they're too embarrassed? If so, welcome to the motherload of all things taboo, or at least really wild and interesting. The Asking for a Pregnant Friend podcast is based off the book of the same name and dives in to all of the pregnancy, birth, and mothering topics that make many people blush or scratch their heads. I do all the boring research so you don't have to and bring you interviews with the leading experts and the topics I cover. I also share all the things about myself, Bailey Gaddis. I'm all about TMI. You'll also hear stories from brave women who gave permission to have their stories shared. So come along, my friend, on a journey into the beautiful underbelly of making, growing, and raising babies. One of the mightiest accomplishments of the body during pregnancy, in my opinion, is the growth of the placenta. So the placenta, it is typically about nine inches across, one inch thick, and it weighs around a pound at birth. Um, But of course, you know, that can vary from woman to woman. And this is like this is like crazy cool organ that develops from a blastocyst, which which is what develops into into the embryo. So this means that genetically the placenta is half you and half your partner or your sperm donor. Um, so right after, what happens is right after the blastocyst implants in the uterus, about 89 of the 120 cells in it start developing into a baby, and the other 40 cells develop into the placenta. And so what then happens is the placenta attaches to the wall of the uterus, either on the top, the side, or the front. And and in some cases, it it does attach to the lower portion of the uterus, uh, which can be an issue, especially if it's covering part or all of the cervix. Um, And this is something called placenta previa. And then the placenta, it attaches to the baby via the umbilical cord. And the portion of the placenta that that faces the baby, it's like really smooth and it has this really cool network of, of branching blood vessels that are sometimes said to kind of look like the tree of life. The side of the placenta is also gray and shiny and it is the side that the umbilical cord comes out of. And so the other side of the, the placenta, the, the portion attached to the uterus, it's usually like pretty rough and bumpy and dark red um, as it contains the mother's blood. So from there, after it's developed, it's or started to develop, it's attached, it's connected to the baby, the placenta, it then serves as like the baby's lifeline. It, it retrieves oxygen from the mother's blood. It helps with the removal of carbon dioxide. Um, it gets nutrients from the mom's blood and delivers it to the baby. It also filters out different like waste products and toxins from the bloodstream so they, they don't harm the baby. 
And so in addition to acting as like the baby's lungs and and refrigerator (laughs) and water dispenser, um, the placenta, it also produces HCG, what we sometimes refer to as as the pregnancy hormone. You know, when you pee on the stick, that stick is testing for HCG, which is only created when you're pregnant. And and this stimulates the the production of estrogen, progesterone, and other hormones that support the growth of the baby and prepare your body for birth and the postpartum period. And so estrogen, it causes an increase in blood flow and it causes the growth of the uterus and the growth of breast tissue. And then progesterone, it's one of its many purposes is helping to maintain the uterine lining um, so the embryo can successfully implant and, and support the pregnancy. And so like in some cases with miscarriage, they found that low levels of progesterone um, in some cases can contribute to, to pregnancy loss, but I, but I digress. Um, and another interesting hormone that the, the placenta produces is it's called human placental lactogen, which speeds up the mother's metabolism so her body can meet the, the energy requirements of, um, of the body during, during pregnancy. It takes, takes a lot of energy to grow a brand new human. And the placenta, it also produces a hormone called PCRH um, that can actually serve as an early warning sign for postpartum depression when a woman has high levels of it. And that's something that that's still being, still being researched, but I think can lead to potentially some really interesting discoveries. Um, another hormone pumped out by the placenta is CRH, and this is a hormone that like incrementally builds up throughout pregnancy. And because women have high levels of this hormone when they go into labor, researchers are are studying if it plays a role in in telling the body when to go into labor because that's still a little bit of a mystery. Like, what exactly is it? that triggers like those first, like that triggers the release of that oxytocin that leads to the the surges that causes the woman to have the baby. It's like one of those beautiful mysteries of birth. Again, we know oxytocin like causes the contractions to continue, but what triggers that? So maybe it's this hormone, CRH. Um, so the hormones produced by the placenta they can also lead to fun things like morning sickness, um, and they, which, ugh, um, beyond that, they can suppress the production of breast milk, which, which we want um, before we actually have the baby, right? Um, so when it's delivered, the body gets the message to to start making milk. So like after the baby comes out, the body gets the message like, oh, because of a shift in hormones, it starts to, starts to make that milk. Another cool thing the placenta does is it prevents the mother's body from seeing the baby as like a foreign enemy and attacking it. So it it tells your body that it is okay for the baby to be there, that the baby is not a threat. It also transfers antibodies from your body to the baby in the third trimester. And these antibodies kind of act like an immune system that that helps that can help protect the baby for the first six months of life. And if you choose to breastfeed, your baby will will continue to get antibodies um, from you through through the milk. Something that I find pretty fascinating is that about a pint of your blood is pumped into the uterus every minute. 
That's a lot. Um, but again, remember, you know, your blood doesn't go directly into the baby. You know, your blood and the baby's blood move through separate arteries in the placenta. So they don't actually, they don't actually mix. And one of my favorite things about the placenta that, that I'm going to do a, another episode about is that its different functions could actually help cancer resource researchers find, you know, more effective cures for, for cancer. And the reasoning behind this is that, that DNA modifications in placental cells are more similar to cancer cells than healthy human cells. And the placenta, it has the unique ability to be a foreign object that, that the mother's immune system knows to not destroy. Um, and, and the placenta also knows how to not cause, you know, warning bells to go off in the mother. And, and so again, I think this is such an interesting topic that we're going to have another episode about it and interview a, a cancer research, researcher who is utilizing, you know, um, the study of the placenta to support, support her research. Okay, so... In addition to being used for cancer research, the, the thin protective outer layer of the placenta, something called the amniotic membrane, is being studied to, to guide the, the development of coverings for, for open, open wounds that, that have a hard time healing. Um, and then after it serves its purpose... And the placenta, obviously, it does so, so much. After it does all these amazing things, it is released by the body. As I'm sure you probably already know, uh, the woman births it soon after the, the baby comes out. Um, it, it detaches. After the baby comes out, it detaches from the wall of the uterus. And, and open blood vessels are left behind, which contributes, you know, to the vaginal bleeding women have after birth that can be very normal. But as, you know, the uterus continues to contract after the baby comes out, it starts to shrink down back down to its original size and it closes those those open blood vessels. So women do continue to have uh, contractions after after the baby comes out. So after birth, some women, they choose to consume the placenta, um, usually after it has been encapsulated, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, and it's interesting to note that most mammals, except those that are aquatic or semi-aquatic, they they consume their placenta. Um, and many humans, we believe that, or they believe that consuming the placenta is like dangerous or like a, like a hippy dippy thing to do. And they're not entirely wrong. You know, it can be dangerous in certain circumstances. Um, but but I believe, you know, what's really behind a lot of these perceptions of consuming the placenta is like people have this vision that someone's like dicing up the organ and like throwing it into a frying pan and like serving it at a dinner party. Um, and, and while, yeah, like some people do prepare the placenta like that, um, which again, I think if they get the proper support to do that in a clean, healthy way, I get no, no judgment for me. Um, but it's a lot 
more likely that women will get the placenta encapsulated. And I'm going to go through what that looks like. So it's encapsulated and then women take like placenta pills. So there's like placenta powder in these um, casings and women take the pills. So if you had the vision of women just like nine on a placenta, it's usually not like that. Um, it's usually just taking placenta pills. And, you know, full disclosure, that it's not something I just didn't know much about it when I was pregnant with my son. But um, as I record this, I'm 30, 30 weeks pregnant with my baby girl and and my midwife offers placenta encapsulation. And I'm curious and I'm going to I'm going to try it and see what happens. Um, so. Now I'm going to get a little bit more into the specifics of, you know, ingesting the placenta. But before I do, I, I do think it's important to note that not a lot of research has been done on this topic. Um, and the studies that have been done were, were pretty limited and they provided like fairly inconclusive results. Um, so because of this, I think it's really important to talk to your, your care provider before making this, this decision. And then obviously, you know, feel, do what feels best for you. Um, so let's, look at first, like how it's encapsulated. So so right after birth, whoever's going to encapsulate it, they retrieve the the placenta, they wash it, they they steam it, sometimes at pretty high temperatures, sometimes they steam it with herbs, they fully dehydrate it, and then they grind it down to a fine powder that is then encapsulated. Um, and why would you do this? Uh, so anecdotal evidence, anecdotal evidence has suggested that um, ingesting the placenta, whether it be encapsulated or like in a smoothie or whatever, it could increase energy, help to balance out your hormones. It could prevent um, anemia by restoring iron levels. However, I think it's important to note that um, it's been found that a lot of placenta pills actually don't contain that much iron. Um, they could potentially lower the chance of developing postpartum depression. Some people say that they think this, this is just kind of like a placebo effect, like all, all of these benefits. So they're just a placebo effect. Um, but, you know, honestly, like as a big believer in the mind-body connection, I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. You know, even if it's just your mind saying like, yeah, this taking this pill is like really helping me and you're actually feeling good. I mean, who cares if it's actually you know, shifting your biology in different ways. So, you know, but with that said, I've also heard from women who said that taking, like ingesting the placenta actually kind of dampened their their mood and their energy. Um, and then th there are potential risks to keep in mind, you know, when deciding if this is something that that you want to do. So, okay, so reasons that you might not want to eat the placenta. Um, and I... I've heard different things about this, about group B strep. Um, I've heard some people say if you have group B strep, that doesn't matter. You can still encapsulate and eat the placenta. Some people say, no, it's dangerous. So again, I talk to your care provider um, because one camp says that, you know, if you have group B strep, there is a possibility that it could infect the placenta. Um, and 
then potentially that infection could be passed to the baby through through breast milk after you ingest the pills. Um, and I've known plenty of women who've tested positive for GBS. They've encapsulated their placenta. They didn't have any issues. Um, but again, it's just important to be aware of, of that potential risk. You know, in addition to GBS, it's possible for the placenta to be contaminated by, you know, other um, intrauterine infections. Um, and there's also the potential for contamination as the placenta is being encapsulated if it's not handled properly. Um, and then finally, like the hormones in, in these pills. So estrogen in the placenta pills could potentially increase the risk of blood clots and the presence of progesterone could impede um, prolactin, which is responsible for, for milk production. Est and estrogen is also something that can suppress prolactin. So all things to consider. Um, you know, if this is something, you know, you're interested in, if you talk to your care provider and and they say, yeah, you know, it's worth a try, um, then something that is really important is to find somebody qualified to encapsulate the placenta if you want to do the um, encapsulation. Something else to consider, if, you're, if your care provider says like, nope, don't do it, don't encapsulate. Ask them why. You know, ask them questions until you get a clear view of where they're coming from. Because if you feel that, you know, what they're sharing is just primarily based on like personal beliefs instead of kind of more solid information, then I would maybe consider talking with a few placenta encapsulating specialists to to receive a more well-rounded perspective. And then after gathering that information from a lot of different sources, you know, you can really sit with the decision until you're clear on, on what you feel most comfortable with. Um, so with that said, you know, if you decide to move forward and you're interviewing different um, specialists who encapsulate placentas, I think these are all important questions to ask, and I will include them in the show notes. So did you receive formal training and certification? What did that consist of? Do you engage in continuing education? How many placentas have you encapsulated? What are the risks of placenta encapsulation? Have your clients ever had adverse effects? Are there certain STDs or infections that would rule me out as a candidate for encapsulation? How do you handle and store the placenta before you're ready to encapsulate? Where do you encapsulate? You know, what are the sanitation procedures for your equipment and your workspace? Would you be willing to encapsulate in my kitchen if that's what I'm most comfortable with? How do you make sure my placenta isn't mixed up with someone else's? How do you encapsulate the placenta? What temperature do you steam it at? Is this temperature high enough to kill uh, potential bloodborne pathogens? What do you encapsulate the powder in? Will you be immediately available to pick up my placenta? If not, how should I store it until you arrive? How soon will I get the pills? And will you provide a dosage recommendation? And then finally, you know, when you start taking the pills, pay attention to how, how they make you feel. If you start to feel down or you notice a drop in milk supply, consider not taking the pills for a few days um, to see if those symptoms go away. Because again, there isn't much quality evidence about this. So, so each woman taking each woman taking these pills is kind of, you know, you're kind of acting as a, as a guinea pig, um, which can be great for some women, not so much for others, because each 
body just kind of seems to respond differently. So kind of like play it by ear, see how it makes you feel. Take it for a week or so. If you start to feel funky, don't take it for a few days and again, see how you feel. If you can like, subscribe, comment, that would be so incredibly helpful. That will allow me to keep providing this content for you guys. All right, love you. Is pregnancy or early motherhood making you feel other than? Is it triggering all sorts of weird emotional and physical stuff you are sure no one else is going through? If so, get your copy of Asking for a Pregnant Friend, 101 Answers to Questions Women Are Too Embarrassed to Ask About Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Early Motherhood. This book is like the modern-day Dear Abby for pregnant women and new moms who want to get straight yet loving answers to the pregnancy, birth, and mothering questions they're too afraid to ask, those questions that make you blush. You can get your copy of Asking for a Pregnant Friend on Amazon or from Barnes & Noble, Target, and everywhere else books are sold. Whoa.